It is okay to rest today instead of work out, Christina typed. My body is asking for one more day to relax. Alice added, My body's not as strong as it usually is during this workout, and it's okay. Lots of things are happening in my body at the moment. The strength will come back. Brian wrote, I'm irritated at my son, and that's okay. Kids can be hard to deal with. I drank too much wine this week, Lauren chimed in, but it's okay. I can be smarter next week. My clients were practicing their self-compassion in our Facebook group, and I smiled reading each line because they were nailing it. I had given them the cue to try mentioning something that wasn't ideal, something that a perfectionist could get nitpicky and critical over, and then incorporate it's okay and write something else. This formula, as you could call it, is one way to practice being kind to ourselves. In the last episode, we met Melanie. She was feeling anxious and not good enough, comparing herself to her taller, thinner cousin who was coming to visit. It was a perfect situation in which anxiety could lead to increasing self-criticism, which could just snowball into a weekend of overeating. Today, we'll talk about how that weekend played out for my real-life client and how you at home can practice using self-compassion to decrease your distress, improve your self-esteem, and avoid binge eating. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. Melanie sent me an email Friday night before the visit with her cousin and said she looked forward to showing up fully on Saturday. This is about our kids and our family, she said, and having a nice time, not my body. Saturday night, she was in a terrific mood. She emailed me, I had the best time, in all caps. I got to meet my cousin's baby, and he's so cute. Her baby and my baby were playing together. It was incredible. I ate my normal meals before going, and we ordered subs for dinner, so I had that and some steamed veggies on the side. Feeling really amazing, Georgie. I was really glad for Melanie that she did not get stuck focusing on her appearance and enjoyed the visit with her family. That was the goal. But then I realized she so successfully put the idea out of her mind and focused on other things that she didn't have to practice self-kindness about her perceived flaws. If we can just get our mind off of something that's upsetting us, for the meantime, that makes it hurt less. But often, not thinking about something only works for so long, or sometimes the topic or event that's upsetting us dominates our awareness in a way that makes it impossible to not address. Clearly, Melanie didn't know I was trying to use her story to write a podcast episode on self-compassion. And honestly, I had suggested to her that her appearance might not be all that important in how the weekend played out. So if she was able to get relief from her anxiety by just letting go, no arguments here. But I still had to put together a podcast on self-compassion. Luckily for me, many of my clients are working on self-compassion at any given time. Phew. I checked in with Maria on Skype for our regular Thursday session. I said, how's it going? And Maria said, uh, okay. In the sort of tone that says, I'm having a very hard time and I'm trying to be positive. As it turns out, Maria's week had been really rough. Her grandmother had recently passed away, and she had attended the funeral over the weekend. 
The emotions were understandably exhausting, and so she skipped her weekly food prep on Sunday, just wanting to lay on the couch and chill. But then she didn't have any lunches made for the week ahead. So her meals that week were somewhat repetitive. She had yogurt, fruit, crackers, and lunch meat for almost every meal, but she was getting by. Midweek, after several weeks of battling with an airline over some canceled plane tickets, thanks to the pandemic, she finally got a refund. But when it came, she burst into tears. She was really looking forward to her trip to Ireland that was supposed to be this summer. She didn't want a refund. She wanted to be in Ireland with her friends, not isolated in the Midwest facing a pandemic that who knows when it will end. Her emotions came pouring out in the tears, and she left work early on Wednesday, walked in her door, and just lay down on her bed. I tried to be nice to myself, Maria said, but it was back and forth. I'd get really mean, and then I would try to correct and be nicer, but then I would just go back and get critical again, and then I'd stop and try and fix my thinking again. I'm just so tired. I really admired Maria in that moment, working as best she could to take care of herself when she was in the middle of so much a grieving family, a canceled vacation, no food prepared, and she was still fighting on to take care of her mental state. I said, let's clarify these two types of thinking. Let's hash out the mean type and the kind type. Maria gave me examples of her mean self-talk. I should be getting up. Why should I be laying in this bed so long? It's not like I've been working out hard. I've been at a desk job all day. The rest of my coworkers aren't laying down. They're still getting work done. And why am I being a crybaby over the Ireland trip? I got my money back. What's the big deal? But she knew this style of thinking wasn't helping her. This was the old voice, the inner critic that made her feel more depressed and pushed her further into sadness and shame. She practiced self-compassion by saying to herself, my body is tired. I didn't sleep that well for several days it's a natural reaction of my body to be tired. And yes, I'm sad that I'm not going. This trip was really important to me. It's really hard to look forward to a trip for months and then have it suddenly crossed out. There's nothing wrong with wanting to go home, watch the Waltons, and sit with my cats and enjoy my house. My energy's going to come back, and then I will do food prep and get back to working out. I'm trusting I won't feel this way forever, but this is how it is today. Now that is some self-compassion. Maria's inner critic was not okay with her laying down. Her inner critic didn't accept that she could be upset over a canceled trip, and it wanted to make sure she punished herself for not prepping food or doing her workouts this week. Her inner critic would never let her relax comfortably. Inner critics are never moved by what we've gone through because they don't care if we're in pain. Self-compassion, on the other hand, notices our pain and sees it as important. It sounds like, whoa, I'm going through something right now, and this is hard. The feelings I have are valid and real, and there's nothing wrong with having them. And because our suffering matters, self-compassion naturally leads to looking for ways to reduce our suffering. Maria needed to take the night off. She needed to get some sleep and let her energy come back before pushing herself into doing workouts or cooking. She needed to grieve the trip to Ireland to see her loved ones. 
When she was able to channel her own self-compassion, her mind eased. She slept. She recovered. If someone in your past treated you like your feelings didn't matter, like your suffering wasn't worth talking about, it could have undermined your ability to be compassionate with yourself. Without self-compassion, that inner critic runs rampant, telling you to be more perfect, get more done, and stop doing wimpy things like crying and resting. Your inner critic is always saying, what's wrong with you? You can fire the inner critic. At least send him on a leave of absence and see what happens when you treat yourself like your feelings and your pain matter. Maybe there's nothing wrong with you, and you're just a person going through things. To summarize, I'll break down self-compassion into some steps that you can practice. Ideally, the time you need this most is when you're feeling uncomfortable, when you're feeling a little critical of yourself, or down or bothered by something. But remember, you can practice these bits anytime you remember. 1. Ask yourself, what's bothering me? Once you come up with something, keep looking to see what else there could be. Sometimes there's layers and layers of things bothering us, and we might not see them if we don't look below the surface. Don't filter anything. Let yourself feel the way you do. You didn't choose these feelings or sensations, and none of them are wrong. It's not helpful to filter out things that come to mind by saying, no, that shouldn't be bothering me. If it bothers you, it bothers you. That's okay. Two, try saying, that's okay. I gave some examples at the beginning of this podcast of how that might sound in a sentence. You can start a list of anything you might beat yourself up for, like gaining weight, overeating or binge eating, getting a parking ticket or making a mistake at work. And your brain might right now be saying, whoa, Georgie, nah, I can't say it's okay that I binged. I want to stop doing that. But here, listen to me. The idea isn't that it's okay that it happened so you'll just let it keep happening. The idea is that it happened, but the world didn't end. And it's okay that you feel the way you do about it. Three, consider what might help you feel better right now and take action. Would getting some rest, calling a friend, or getting some ibuprofen make this moment a little easier? Would a warm blanket and a mug of tea feel nice? Take a few minutes to care for yourself. If you have to get up and walk across your home to get something, do it. It's easy to think of what might make you feel better, but not bother to actually get it. The important part here is actually doing it. Thinking about your self-care isn't enough. You have to prove it's a priority by taking action and getting that thing for yourself. Four. See the best in yourself instead of looking for the worst in yourself. Maybe things didn't go the way you wanted, but you prepared and you put in a solid effort. Maybe you can look kindly on the work you did today, or smart food choices you made, or the way you interacted with other people. Maybe you have flaws, but you also have wonderful attributes, and you're an irreplaceable, valuable human being. So here's a specific example, putting this all together for a common situation, binge eating and regretting it. One, ask yourself what's bothering you. I ate too much cake at the party, now my stomach hurts. 
I'm disappointed I didn't do better because I know better. Two, try saying it's okay. I ate more than I needed, but that's okay. My body will handle the food and my stomach will feel better in a few hours. It's okay to feel disappointed in myself at times. I'm trying to do difficult things and mistakes are inevitable. I can forgive myself for this, just like I'd forgive someone else who made an error if they were truly sorry. And I really am sorry. Three, consider what might help you feel better in this moment. My comfortable pajamas would feel good right now. And it would feel good to know I can avoid binging again in the future because I learned something and today wasn't a wasted lesson. Let me get my journal and scribble some notes to help me feel back in control and ready for the next party I go to. That will help me feel better. Four, see the best in yourself. I made a mistake, but I am taking responsibility and choosing to use it for good. I'm practicing my self-compassion right now and doing my homework. I'm facing something that's hard and scary, and that shows I'm brave. What do you think would happen if you responded to yourself with kindness and compassion for just a week? Are you willing to try it for seven days? I'd love to know what you experience. Send me a note at georgie at nutritionloft.com and tell me what happens when you give self-compassion a good try. I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to leave a rating or review to help someone else find out how they can break up with binge eating. I'll see you next week.